Hello and welcome to Exploring Living Myths with Group 2, the show that will make your mind crave beyond the realm of imagination. I'm your host, Ezekiel Quejadas. In this podcast, we will be talking about Philippine mythology with Quad, namely, Brother Chris, Brother Andrew, Brother Andrew, and Brother Clarence. They will be our narrators for today's adventure. We'll be going over the intricacies of how the world was made, the creation of the sun and the moon, starting with a Visayan myth that was written by John Morris Miller. This podcast offers listeners in-depth knowledge about the ancient Filipino account of creation, along with the evaluation of the critics at the end, so be sure to listen all the way through. Just like the sea, I don't know where to go. Through dirt and shadow I grow I'm reaching light through the struggle Just like the sea I'm chasing the wonder I unravel myself All in slow motion Suffocate me So my tears can be rain I will water the ground where I stand So the flowers can grow back again Cause just like the sea Everything wants to land We are burning our fingers But we learn and forget
Thousands of years ago, there was no land, nor sun, nor moon, nor stars, and the world was only a great sea of water, above which stretched the sky. The water was the kingdom of the god Magwayan, and the sky was ruled by the great god Kaptan. Magwayan had a daughter called Lidagat, the sea, and Kaptan had a son known as Lihangin, the wind. The gods agreed to the marriage of the children, so the sea became the bride of the wind. Three sons and a daughter were born to them. The sons were called Likalibutan, Liadlaw, and Libulan, and the daughter received the name of Lisuga. Likalibutan had the body of rock and was strong and brave. Liadlaw was formed of gold and was always happy. Libulan was made of copper and was weak and timid, and the beautiful Lisuga had the body of pure silver and was sweet and gentle. Their parents were very fond of them and nothing was wanting to make them happy. After a time, Lihangin died and left the control of the winds to his eldest son, Likalibutan. The faithful wife, Lidagat, soon followed her husband, and the children, now grown up, were left without a father or a mother. However, their grandfathers, Captain and Maguayan, took care of them and guarded them against all evil. After a time, Likalibutan, proud of his power over the winds, resolved to gain more power and asked his brother to join him in an attack in the sky above. At first, they refused but when Likalibutan became angry with them, the amiable Ladlao not wishing to offend his brother agreed to help. Then together, they induced the wind timidly Bulan to join in the plan. When all was ready, the three brothers rushed at the sky, but they could not beat down the gates of steel that guarded the entrance. Then, Likalibutan let loose the strongest wind and blew the bars in every direction. The brothers rushed into the opening but were met by the angry god Captain. So terrible did he look that they turned and ran in terror. But Captain, furious at the destruction of his gate, sent three balls of lightning after them. The first struck the copper Libulan and melted him into a ball. The second struck the golden Liadlao and he too was melted. The third boat struck Likalibutan and his rocky body broke into many pieces and fell into the sea. So huge was he parted of his body stuck out above the water and become what is known as land. In the meantime, the gentle Lisuga had missed her brothers and started to look for them. She went toward the sky, but as she approached the broken gates, Kaptan, blinded with anger, struck her too with lightning, and her silver body broke into thousands of pieces. Kaptan then came down from the sky and tore the sea apart, calling on Maguayan to come to him and accusing him of ordering the attack on the sky. Soon, Maguayan appeared and answered that he knew nothing of the plot as he had been asleep for down in the sea. After a time, he succeeded in calming the angry captain. Together, they wept at the loss of their grandchildren, especially the gentle and beautiful Lisuga. But with all of their power, they could not restore the dead to life. However, they gave to each body a beautiful light that will shine forever. And so, it was that Golden Liedlau became the sun and copper Libulan, the moon, while the thousands of pieces of silver Lisuga shine as the stars of heaven. To wicked Likalibutan, the gods gave no light, but resolved to make his body support a new race of people. So Captain gave Maguayan a seed, and he planted it on the land, which, as you will remember, was part of Likalibutan's huge body. Soon, a bamboo tree grew up, and from the hollow of one of its branches, a man and a woman came out. The man's name was Sikalak, and the woman was called Sikabai. They were the parents of the human race, 
their first child was a son whom they called Libo. Afterwards, they had a daughter who was known as Saman. Pandaguan was a younger son and he had a son called Arion. Pandaguan was very clever and invented a trap to catch fish. The very first thing he caught was a huge shark. When he brought it to the land, it looked so great and fierce that he thought it was truly a god. And he at once ordered his people to worship it. Soon, all gathered around and began to sing and pray to the shark. Suddenly, the sky and sea opened and the gods came out and ordered Pandaguan to throw the shark back into the sea and to worship none but them. All were afraid except Pandaguan. He grew very bold and answered that the shark was as big as the gods and that since he had been able to overpower it, he would also be able to conquer the gods. Then Captain, hearing this, struck Pandaguan with a small thunderbolt, for he did not wish to kill him but merely to teach him a lesson. Then he and Maguayan decided to punish these people by scattering them over the earth. So they carried some to one land and some to another. Many children were afterwards born and thus the earth became inhabited in all parts. Pandaguan did not die. After lying in the ground for 30 days, he regained his strength but his body was blackened from the lightning and his descendants became the dark-skinned tribe, the Negritos. His first son, Arion, was taken north, but as he had been born before his father's punishment, he did not lose his color, and all his people therefore are white. Libo and Saman were carried south, where the hot sun scorched their skin bodies and caused all their descendants to be of a brown color. A son of Saman and a daughter of Sikalak were carried east, where the land at first was so lacking in food that they were compelled to eat clay. On this account, their children and their children's children have always been yellow in color. And so the world came to be made and people, the sun and moon shine in the sky and the beautiful stars light up the night. All over the land, on the body of the envious Likalabutan, the children of Sikalak and Sikabai have grown great in numbers. May they have lived forever in peace and brotherly love. Isn't that myth one of the most profound stories we've heard throughout the episodes of Philippine mythology? It is, indeed. A myth that not only this science must be proud of, but even Likalibutan wouldn't be able to cope with how this story ended. It was like the ecstasy of emotions that the siblings expressed in the story itself, which resembled a much more powerful bolt of connection that Captain would be unable to hold onto. So after that journey, I'm here now to present this myth to the critics. Are you guys ready to hear their propositions? Let us all welcome Mr. Lucky, Miss Paula, and Miss Irish. So, how have your days been this far? There wasn't much to look forward to, but the story itself was incredible enough to wipe up a bad day. Seems pretty similar to how I appear in today's podcast. It's been gentle and sweet, much like Lisuga. Ecstatic! I've been keeping the Adlao's attitude after hearing how good he was. It has always been and will always be a beat. I knew it meant a lot, right? So, Mr. Lucky, could you give us some insight into the introduction? 
Sure, many stories have been documented by the early Spanish colonizers and others by American anthropologists. This myth, originally titled How the World Was Made, was written by John Morris Miller, a well-known author of Philippine folklore stories way back in the early 1900s. It's the ancient Visayan account of the creation that he documented. The earliest settlements in the Visayas Islands of the Philippines to the southernmost islands of Luzon and the northern and eastern parts of Mindanao are dated from 6,000 to 30,000 BC. Therefore, the Visayans were probably the oldest as well as the largest ethnic group in the Philippines, numbering at around 33 million as of 2010. The earliest notable written count on the creation myths of the Visayans is told by navigator Miguel de, de Lopez de Gaspi in 1576. Francisco Ignacio Alcina, a Jesuit missionary and historian, also wrote a summary of the creation myth in his Historia de las Islas e Indios de Visayas in 1668. That's right. Although there are several versions of the Visayan creation myth, the characters, conflicts, and resolutions are all the same. The manner in which the story was told, as well as the various subsequent retellings, vividly depicted the common experience of the people. The sea represents the underworld, while the sky, of course, stands for the upper world. Later, when humans were created on the earth, the sky and the sea were also personified as Makaptan and Maguayan respectively. The creation myth of the Visayans not only tells the story of how the world was created and how humanity came into existence, thus effectively describing how the Visayans view the world and their origins. It also describes the first death, war, social classes, and race. What a fascinating backstory this story has! As a mere host, I had no idea creation stories could be so fascinating. They were well aware of how captivating they appeared to the reader's eyes. And, Miss Irish, to conclude... Very well, Mr. Tejadas. With this in mind, this myth is a symbolic narrative of the beginning of the world. As understood by a particular tradition and community, it tackled the central importance for the valuation of the world for the orientation of humans and the universe, and the basic patterns of life and culture of the Visayans. Mythologies, tales, and symbols appear to be more deeply embedded in our modern consciousness than anything from our ancient past. Were those myths created in the minds of our forefathers, or were they based on true events? Even now, Generation after generation, the extraordinary stories of societies, heroes, gods, the supernatural, and life and death reverberate deep within us, surfacing in books, arts, culture, music, and everyday wisdom. Some realms are still hidden from us as they may have been for our ancient ancestors, and these anomalies must be re-examined. After all, mysteries and legends may contain truths 
that can unlock the secrets of our ancient origins. What a lovely conclusion! Of course, the story stands to be exceptional, but if we look back on everything we've heard so far in this story, could we perhaps see how this world came to be? Not likely, right? This myth resembles the product of such a blissful mind. It shifted our way of seeing things from mere imagination. I am incredibly grateful for the opportunity to host this episode, particularly to our narrators, who recounted this narrative with all their emotions in each paragraph, and the critics who critically evaluated it through their expertise. You've reached the end of another episode of Exploring Living Myths with Group 2. Love this? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It will be very much appreciated. Thank you and... That's all for today.